Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Helen Tupper and I'm Sarah Ellis and you are listening to the Squiggly Quiz podcast. Each week Sarah and I talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss ideas and actions to help you develop in your career and be successful in the squiggly world of work that we are all experiencing. And just before we get started with this week's topic I suppose we wanted to pause for thought for just for just a moment. (laughs) I know September generally is a bit of a reset moment but this year and this September isn't the same as previous years and I think we're both really feeling it in terms of it feels hard it does feel hard right now I know people listen to this podcast from all over the world and everybody's in different stages of lockdown or restrictions you know we've been working in a very different way for quite a long time now we've had a lot of uncertainty and change to cope with And I was actually reading a really interesting article in The Guardian, which I'll put the link to in our podcast notes, which was all about if you perhaps find winter quite tough, how our current context potentially makes it even tougher and how we can learn to think like a Norwegian (laughs) is the... um, was the kind of premise of the article. And actually, I've been to Norway on holiday, and I this is pre-kids. I went to a place called the Lofoten Islands. And the Lofoten Islands, in the winter, you get like hardly any sun. But when you go in the summer, which is when I went, it never gets dark. And like, honestly, it's really weird. You can go for a walk at like one in the morning. And what they were saying is there's some really interesting research in terms of how people who live in those kind of areas like approach winter and the kind of mindset that they have. What they found was that People there have got really good with coping, reframing, having a really kind of positive mindset. And they actually have really low rates of things like depression and anxiety. I suppose because they're so used to kind of living in quite a different way, they've thought about how to kind of make their lives work. And changing our mindset is not a cure for everything or it's not the answer to everything. But there are some really interesting kind of ideas and thoughts in there around if we are having a tough time and you know, Helen and I were having a chat even before this podcast, both going, we're both having quite a tough time right now. And then stopping and thinking, okay, so what do we feel positive about mm-hmm. right now? Like, what are we feeling good about? What are we looking forward to in the next, even if it's just like, what are you looking forward to this week? What are you going to try out maybe in autumn and winter that you've learned from just living in a very different way this year? And so, of course, you can't, being positive about everything all of the time, I don't think is useful either. But if anyone else, I suppose, is feeling the way that we are both feeling, which is 
it can feel really hard, I think, right now. The environment, obviously everything happening with the kind of pandemic, there's kind of a lot stacking up over a long period of time. And we're very mindful of we don't want people to get to that point of feeling like, you know, you're really burnt out or if you're struggling and trying to kind of preempt that and take some positive steps for yourself. So it's something we're both doing. So we thought, you know what, let's just talk to our listeners about it just in case it's helpful for you too. So yes, today, building brilliant relationships and uh, why is this important? Well, for a lot of people, you probably spend more time with the people that you work with, even virtually at the moment, than you might do your family. Like I was trying to tot up the amount of hours that I spend with Sarah every week. And I was like, oh, it's quite a lot. I put on Instagram the other day, I was like my other, other half. And I was like, yep, Sarah actually, is like my other other half who I might spend more time with. I wonder with if it's different actual... now. I wonder if that time, I suppose time in the same house is different now. <laughs> I definitely spend more time in the same house as my partner, but That's whether true. you'd call that quality time, I think is is, <laughs> is quite different. But I, I do wonder whether that might be one of the positive things that has come out of the last six and nine months is that we've had more opportunity to also spend time with particularly family, I guess, mm. um, in ways that perhaps we hadn't previously. I keep telling people that now everyone's like, oh, this is so romantic. And I was like, oh, I don't really think of it as a romantic thing. But every morning, my partner and I now always go and drop our little boy off at nursery together because we can. And nursery drop off used to be really stressful. It was like the most stressful part of your day because you're always rushed and you're always trying to get a train or my partner would be getting in the car to do a long commute. Whereas now it's like, we just walk all together. Then we always go to this really nice Korean coffee shop. And then we go for a little walk before we start work. And everyone's like, oh, that's so lovely. I mean, it does sound nice. Oh. <laughs> it does sound nice. And, and I like really, I'm like very committed to that now as part of like a daily ritual and routine. And so I think that's actually been really good for our personal relationship is just that half an hour, hour every day where we're just together, which is nice. Well, I think the thing as well with work colleagues is that even if you're not actually like in a meeting with somebody, I think you're very often still connected to them. Like, so for example, in the evening, you might be emailing them or WhatsApping them or messaging them. So even if you're not in the meeting, I think you're still mm. with work. You're still, because you're on for longer and because boundaries have got blurred you're sort of attached to some of those work colleagues in a slightly different way and 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 almost like a more continuous way and the relationships we have with people at work have a big impact on how we feel about our work so we're happier so if we've got really strong relationships at work the research shows that we are happier at work because we've got that sense of connection and belonging and actually we're more productive as well and if you've got really ineffective relationships at work then that can be really destructive for your impact because in managing the impact of that negative relationship, it takes you away from doing good work. So good relationships increase your impact. Negative relationships almost take you away from the quality of the work itself. And when you do have lots of good relationships in your work, and that might be in your company or in your wider network or, you know, people outside of your sort of the friends and family category that might help you to learn and develop, then that can create new opportunities for you because there are lots of people who are spotting opportunities for things that you might be interested in, things that you might want to learn, other people that they might connect you to. So our relationships are hugely important in the moment because it increases our happiness, but they also help us with where we might want to go in the future too. So today we're going to talk about five ways in which you can reflect on and invest in the relationships that you have at work in quite a conscious and intentional way. So before we get into those five ways, we've both had a think about the relationships that we've built in our careers so far, and in particular, those ones that we would kind of categorise as being brilliant and really try to 
think about why, what's made those relationships work so well. So Helen, where did you get to with your with your brilliant relationships? Well, I was actually thinking about past managers and I also thought about you and me, actually. Um, uh, I was thinking about, well, I would class that as one of my brilliant relationships. And I thought, what is it about the way that we work together and the way that I've worked with past managers that has worked for me? And what I thought of was that for me, the relationships are sort of multidimensional. And by that, what I mean is I can have a really productive work conversation. I can get clarity and energy and like everything I need to get my good work done. But I know that that relationship could also be quite a supportive one where there's a lot of listening. And I know that relationship could also be a really honest one. Like it doesn't have to be all of those things at the same time. But I think my best relationships, I think there's a couple of managers that I've had and obviously with you. And for me, it's that those relationships have quite a lot of aspects to them and they can turn the switch to be what I need when I need it and they almost have that breadth to them whereas some other ones I've had only have one thing you know they're just a really good listener but maybe they're not amazing at being really honest and giving you really clear feedback or the person who's amazing at telling the job to be done but actually they don't really have time for you over and above the job itself so for me it's that it's those relationships with stretch and that can adapt to be what you need it when you need it. I think when I was thinking back to the relationships and and the ones that I have now that I'd categorise as brilliant, it's often come from some sort of like in it togetherness, if that makes sense. (laughs) So some sort of, doesn't mean that it's been like this the whole time, but there's been maybe a project or something that we've worked on or a particular moment in time that's meant that myself and that person have really come together around a common objective we really kind of trusted each other. We were really committed to whatever it was we were kind of trying to achieve. And you know, by that being in it together, that's through the tough times, the adversity, that's, you can laugh about things going wrong. You're celebrating your successes. It doesn't always mean that you have to agree the whole time. It doesn't mean that there won't be hard moments. And for some of those people, I think I probably have a kind of better quality of relationship with that person. But I think I have had a kind of a range of brilliant relationships that if I was trying to think about that one characteristic that has always made them brilliant, it's because there was some sort of like moment in time that just meant that relationship went beyond Mm. the just, you know, oh, we're here to get a job done. And I think that did come from that. We sort of know what we're trying to achieve. Often it's like we're trying to achieve something that's hard. You know, it's, it's usually like there has been some sort of adversity that you've overcome together and then I think perhaps you're stronger as a result of it so I'll always remember actually when I um I'd first started at Sainsbury's and I'd got a graduate who had also just started Sainsbury's called Alex and we were literally a team of two she was the first person that sprung to mind when I thought about a brilliant relationship just because I think we were so in it together in that team in terms of what we were trying to achieve what we were trying to build we really trusted each other we were so kind of committed and our relationship ended up going way beyond just that moment in time but I think because we had that sense of we've got to build this from scratch. If we don't do it, no one else will. We've got to figure all this out. And actually, we spent a lot of time together. It does take time, doesn't it, to build those relationships. It's not like you build it in a week. It's over months and you know maybe even years that you get to that point. Oh, I like it. So we want to share with you five different ideas for how you can build better and maybe even brilliant relationships. So we'll go, we'll take it in turns. I'll do one, Sarah, and then you do one. Shall I go first? Go for it. 
Okay, so I see first... you've got a lot of four by fours today, Helen. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of matrices to come. So Sarah and I share notes with each other before we do the podcast, and I managed to squeeze in a few matrix. Um, so yeah, we might uh, demo some of these on Pod Plus later in the week because it's always hard to talk about them. At the end of the podcast, we'll give you details for Pod Plus if any of you do want to join a live session where we'll talk through this in a bit more detail and share some of these models. But the first tip for you is if you want to build brilliant relationships with other people, then one of the things that it can be really helpful to do is understand their sort of natural style, their natural way of engaging and communicating and adapt accordingly. And it doesn't mean that you have to morph into their style. It just means that you can sort of understand where they're coming from and how to engage them brilliantly and then maybe just adapt to those things. So there's a really useful model called the DISC model, which some of you may do. Sometimes you, you end up with one of those colours that might resonate with some of you uh, when you get the, the red, yellow, blues and greens. If that doesn't mean anything to anyone listening, do not worry. But basically the DISC communication model it, it it helps people to understand their preferences and disc is an acronym so the d stands for dominance the i stands for influence the c stands for conscientious and the s stands for steadiness so it's all about whether somebody is more sort of task orientated and the speed at which they work at so for example someone that's like very task orientated wants to get the job done get everything done efficiently they're very pacey in their work they're often quite a dominant style so they are potentially quite direct, maybe a bit forceful. If you want to work well with somebody like that, you need to be able to sort of maybe pre-prepare for what questions they might ask you so that you can follow them up with confidence. They're very much into speed. Getting it done like in the meeting, in that conversation is quite important to that person rather than saying, oh, why don't we have another meeting or another conversation? <laughs> That's unlikely to work well for that person. Oh, just thinking. So is this the one that you associate with, Helen? A combination, <laughs> I would say. So the point of this, by the way, is that nobody's all of one. So I would say I'm a combination of the D, pace and get it done, and the I for influence. So if someone is the eye for influence, then they like pace, but they're also quite people orientated. So they're more likely to be optimistic and enthusiastic. And if you've got somebody that's like that, then you can maybe be a bit more informal with them. Let your sense of humour show. Often because a conversation is quite informal, you almost might need to follow up with the facts because they might just get into, well, what have you been doing this weekend? And have a quite a general conversation. And then at the end of it, they're like, hmm, what did I actually need to do again? <laughs> so if it's that... So I think I'm a combination between uh, both of those. I'm going to ask yeah. you at the end which one you okay. are. Um, I so was just thinking how you definitely, what I actually often really appreciate about working with you is that pace is actually incredibly useful at times because sometimes, you know, you'll be like, let's do it now. Let's sort this thing out now. Let's not, you know, we don't need to have another conversation or or basically not letting things, because I think dominant can sound negative as a word, but it's not in terms of in this context. I think sometimes the way these tools, the words and the language they use can be a bit misleading. But actually, I would say, yeah, you are definitely a combination of the D and the I. But when I see the D, people might be like, oh, is dominance a bad thing to be, you know, results orientated, to be pacey, to get things done in the moment? And I would say it's one of the things I appreciate the most about you and what we do. And without that, we wouldn't get stuff done. And you make stuff happen with pace, but you kind of put on that layer of, optimism and enthusiastic brilliance as well so it's a great combo to have oh that's very kind Sarah thank you <laughs> so the s is where someone might be quite people orientated but maybe they're not like 
let's do everything now, 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 <laughs> in sort of Helen style. And that's where someone might have more of a steady approach. So they're often a bit tactful. Uh, they're quite accommodating. They can hear everybody else's different perspective. They've got more patience. You know, they don't think, I just need to get this done for the sake of getting it done. And if you've got somebody who you spot is like that, so they're kind of people orientated, but they're more moderately paced. They don't want to be rushed into decisions. For them, you, like practice active listening. Uh, make sure that you confirm what you've heard them say summarize what they've said like sort of mirror their pace is often quite an important thing with them but show that you care by the active listening and the last one is the c this is somebody who is moderately paced but they are still focused on the task and so they're more analytical quite uh, precise about things that they like to know about they might be more reserved quite a sort of a logical person if you spot those kind of people they like quite a lot of detail up front so you might want to email them in advance with a gender items for example or if there's something that they need to discuss in a meeting you might want to give them that detail to review beforehand and setting clear expectations giving them the space to work independently those people that work at um, their own sort of pace and they're quite task orientated they're brilliant at working independently so give them the space to do that maybe you know you'd set expectations maybe at the start of the week and then catch up at the end of the week and just leave them be in the middle so Sarah which ones of those now do you do you identify with? Do you know what, when I, I looked at this um, before our conversation, so none of them fully, <laughs> I looked at this straight away and thought Helen's DI, 100%, dominance and influence together, I, exactly as you'd identified. Whereas I look at it and think there were some aspects of each of the descriptions that I can see in myself. So I'm definitely optimistic, which is an enthusiastic, which is in the I, which is in the influence. Um, I'm results orientated, which is in the D, but I'm not direct particularly um and I'm, I'm certainly don't have the kind of pace and the energy that you would bring to kind of getting stuff done so I probably have a bit of steadiness and, and kind of a bit slower sometimes in terms of the way I would approach things I'm quite pragmatic which I think is probably similar to being even tempered so yeah I looked at it and thought oh I think I'd the one thing I think I'm not probably is conscientious <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say I think you're dis but that's not in the right, yeah. the right order like the bit of dominant a bit of influence a bit of steadiness do you know what I'm going to do Sarah after this I'm going to give you a link and I'll share this as well in the resources for everybody where you can self-assess yourself so it's like yeah. a free link and then we'll see what you are so this is really about people understanding where other people are coming from but I think it can also be helpful for to understand a bit about where you are coming from so I'll send yeah. you the link Sarah and everyone listening I'll I'll give you the link too, so you can have a look Ooh, at it. I look forward to seeing, seeing what I can see, see whether our predictions are right. <laughs> so tip number two is about thinking about the kind of type of relationship that you want to have with someone. And I found this really helpful for me personally in my career, because I think I expected to have the same type of relationship with everyone because of my natural preference. And there are kind of three different types of relationship, and I'm sure you could come up with more, but I found a useful article in the Harvard Business Review that described relationships in these three ways, and that is transactional, interdependent, and transformational. So let's just talk about each of those three. So transactional, uh, you know, you've got a very clear relationship that's all about having getting to an outcome. It's a means to an end, and that's as far as that relationship goes. Interdependent is about having shared goals, knowledge, mutual respect, transformational, as you'd imagine, goes kind of a step further than that, which is seeing much more vulnerability. You might even have more conflict. You hold each other to account more. You're curious. You learn from each other, perhaps even more empathy. 
And I think sometimes, and this was something I think I got wrong certainly early in my career, is expecting or anticipating every relationship to become transformational. <laughs> and really the um, the key here is to identify and develop the type of relationship that best fits what it is you're trying to achieve. Somebody genuinely once said to me, like, Zara, you need to get better at having like effective transactional relationships because all of those relationships are useful. All of those relationships can be positive. When you say transactional, again, it can get in the way of thinking that can be a positive thing, but not all of your relationships can be transformational and they don't need to be either. And I think that almost comes back to a bit of a combination of the first thing that we talked about and the kind of the second is knowing where your natural preference is in terms of your building, how you want to build relationships, but then thinking about, but is that the right way to build a relationship for with this person for what I'm trying to achieve in this project? And basically, I think I just wanted every relationship to be transformational because that's <laughs> where I'm probably at my, at my happiest. I build long-term deep relationships with people that I know for a long time. I'm definitely in the camp of, I think it's a positive thing to have friends at work and I can be smug now because there's some good new research that shows uh, that it's really useful to have friends at work, particularly in a crisis. We'll link to that article. But often I think I would beat myself up if I was thinking, oh, I feel like I've got a really transactional relationship with this person. And I remember one of my previous managers saying, okay, but are you working together well? Have you got open communication? Are you being honest with each other? Are you clear about the purpose of the relationship? And those things would all be yes. I'd be like, yep, we know what we're trying to do. You know, but I just felt like I hadn't got that like deeper sense of connection with that person. And someone said to me that that is okay. You know, you can't be basically friends with everybody. Mm. Um, Also, not obviously not everyone wants to be friends with you. Fair enough. And actually transformational relationships are brilliant for when you are working with somebody over the long term, perhaps in those in it together moments. It's probably no surprise that that's how I described for me, brilliant relationships. I go straight to the ones that have felt really transformational. But actually, I think if you thought about this in a more nuanced way, you could probably think about what brilliant transactional relationships have I had? What brilliant interdependent relationships have I had? Which is probably how we work. I suspect interdependent would be the most common one in terms of work and the work that we do. And what brilliant transformational ones have I had? And so thinking about your relationships through all of those three lenses, I think is helpful if I was thinking about this now, and actually I was starting to do it for us and like the relationships that we have through Amazing If, is thinking about all the people that we work with, like which relationships should be transactional, which should be interdependent, which should be transformational. And then actually think about, well, am I investing in those relationships in the right way, given what it is that we're kind of trying to achieve? So I find that quite a helpful, I think it's a more sophisticated way and more realistic way probably to think about the relationships that we build. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The third tip is actually sort of quite linked, I think, to the transformational uh, relationships mm. that Sarah talked about, which is that in order to build brilliant relationships, and I think there's probably an implied thing there that those are the ones that are maybe more transformational than it all have to be. But it's about the importance of vulnerability. I would really recommend Brené Brown's work in this space. But the essence of it is that if you are prepared to be more vulnerable, which might be you showing that you have made mistakes in a working day or in your career, you talking as if you don't have all the answers. Like if I go around all day and everyone thinks I'm perfect and I know everything, that is not necessarily opening the door to empathy and to understanding. Um, and so if you can be vulnerable, it helps to build more belonging for other people, more sense of connection. People are likely to be more open with you. And it's just thinking about what does appropriate vulnerability look like for you? So it doesn't mean we have to go around all day going, I'm really struggling and I've failed yesterday and everything's awful it's not that like and particularly if we're going from being quite closed to suddenly on Tuesday you're like oh I've heard the podcast today I'm going to be really open with everybody like I think there's an appropriate amount of vulnerability for you and I think it sort of depends on your starting point but the big piece here is if you feel like you are putting on too much of a persona sometimes you know like think about your natural how you're genuinely feeling in the here and now so if I rock up on a Monday and I've had a really hard weekend and I'm really tired and I say to Sarah everything's amazing I can't wait for the week ahead that I am really putting a front on how I'm feeling and actually what would be more authentic and more vulnerable would be for me to say I am really looking forward to the week ahead, but I'll be really honest, I found last week quite hard and I'm just, I might be a bit slow today while I get myself going. And that's me being honest about how I'm feeling with somebody. And Sarah might then go, do you know what, me too. And it might just enable us to just be that bit more honest, that bit more connected. It's not wallowing in things that have gone wrong or that things are difficult. It's just opening the door to where you're at and how you're feeling at the moment. And it's some of those feelings that can build belonging connection in a relationship so tip number four about building brilliant relationships is about expressing gratitude versus taking people for granted now I don't think we intentionally take people for granted I just think sometimes we forget to do the gratitude I think sometimes we forget to say thank you we assume that people know that we're grateful or we assume that people know we think they're as brilliant as they are and you've got to take the time to do this really well. It's more than just saying, oh, yeah, thanks. Or, yeah, cheers for that. 
<laughs> That's basically what I would say all the time. <laughs> Cheers. Um, it's got to feel more meaningful and impactful than that. You've got to communicate to somebody how have they helped you, the positive impact that they are having and why. And you're doing what I often describe when we're kind of talking to people in workshops about this as thoughtful thank yous. You're going beyond just saying, a, oh, yeah, thanks for all your hard work. But you're really telling someone like why you appreciate the work that you've done, why you appreciate what it is that they've contributed. And that's also got to be about more than just outcomes. I think as well, sometimes we fall into a trap of only expressing gratitude at that moment where something maybe very visible has been achieved versus let's say somebody has had a difficult conversation with you about a project that's not going to plan. Actually saying to somebody, whether it's in the moment or whether it's a couple of days later, oh, I really appreciate you taking the time to raise that challenge. Obviously, it's a difficult conversation to have, but I'm really glad that you did it because then it means that we can talk about it now rather than in three months time when it would be much tougher to overcome if you sort of think about well most people find it quite hard to raise those kind of challenges someone being brave enough to do that and then you actually expressing your gratitude to them actually just builds that relationship because it shows that you've got to put yourself in their shoes it also shows that you've taken the time to just do that and to kind of create that sense of connection that probably you wouldn't have had previously so obviously we're not suggesting you need to have like a reminder in your calendar once a week time to express gratitude (laughs) I don't think it quite works like that I think it is more having that awareness with the kind of relationships that you're building of those moments where you just spot something where you think oh perhaps that was hard for that person or perhaps you just really appreciated it exactly like I said earlier in the podcast and how much I appreciate sometimes Helen just forcing us into sometimes making a decision in the moment which needs to be made in that moment. It doesn't need another meeting. It doesn't need me to think about it for two more days. That's not the right thing to do. And actually saying, oh, actually, I find that really helpful. Letting Helen know that that's useful. I think it makes our business better. I think it makes us more agile. Talking about the fact that both you appreciate it and also how it's so helpful, I think can just be an incredible way to build those brilliant relationships. It just shows somebody that you, I think, care beyond just the day-to-day actually when you start to think about it no wonder we don't do it more often because that's actually really hard to do I think I think it's hard to have in the midst of everyone being busy and task focused and to going through our to-do lists to have the awareness and to be able to reflect on your relationships in that way I think probably takes a bit of practice so perhaps as a starting point maybe just write down the three or five relationships that are most important for you in your work right now and just have those, be really clear about those relationships. Think about what type of relationship are they? Is it transactional? Is it interdependent? Is it more transformational? And then just start to be on the lookout for opportunities to express gratitude, to say a thoughtful thank you. And just as and when the right moment comes along, it'll probably just be more top of mind for you to take action. And our last tip is all about managing your boundaries. So it's funny, isn't it? Because we talk about boundaries in terms of like the hours we work and when we should, you know, switch off from work. But this is actually about almost when it's appropriate to switch on and switch off from relationships as well. And so boundaries apply in, in terms of building brilliant relationships. And, and the context here is that if you have no boundaries, so if you're sharing everything that you're feeling, when you're feeling it, and if somebody else is doing the same thing too, so you've got kind of got this boundaryless relationship, then actually that can be quite volatile. It can be quite draining. There's no distance between you. And that 
that's where a relationship might have gone. It might, it almost might be too close for comfort is, is one of the things there. Now, on the opposite of that is where you've got really firm boundaries in place. So, you know, before earlier when I was talking about if you're putting on a really big persona, you're both pretending that you're feeling something that you're not feeling at the moment. So you're always positive and everything's always productive. And so we don't want to be at either end of this really where there's absolutely no boundaries or the boundaries are sort of too formal and you're almost walled off from each other. There's some research we'll link to by someone called Greg McCohen who talks about the the sweet spot of boundaries and it's when you're giving enough so you're sort of open enough you're selectively vulnerable it would be one of the things that would fit here like Sarah was saying earlier and the other person has the same level of um, boundary as well just think about the balance of boundaries in your relationship does it feel equal and does it feel appropriate so for example if you're sort of really putting up a particular identity but someone else is completely splurging everything they're feeling whenever they're feeling it and they're constantly contacting you about all of that then it might feel a bit imbalanced and that might not be quite right equally if I was just saying to Sarah how I was feeling all the time and Sarah's going yeah yeah absolutely um back to work Helen then that also might feel a bit imbalanced so I think just reflect on the balance of boundaries within a relationship I think it's quite a subtle thing to do but the at its simplest it's just the idea that if you're operating without any boundaries, there's no distance between you and the relationship, then you might have lost some of the work context. Remember, we're talking about work relationships here. And whilst you can be friends with people at work, it is helpful to have some boundaries around those relationships. And if that is completely gone, then you might want to just have a think about well, what's the implication of, of that? Has that relationship almost become too unboundary? Because that can become draining and it also can create dependency sometimes, which might not help you and might not help the other person either. So just to summarise those five top tips for you. Number one, have a look at your DISC communication preference. We'll put the link for that if you want to kind of explore that in more detail in our podcast notes. Number two, think about the type of relationships that you have and are they the right type of relationships for what you're trying to achieve, whether they are transactional, interdependent or transformational. Number three, be willing to be vulnerable at the right moment in the right way. Number four, express gratitude and think about those thoughtful thank yous. And number five, manage your boundaries. So thank you so much for listening this week. We hope you have found that helpful. If you would like some more support with your career, we have just launched two new live learning sessions. So there you can find these on www.amazingiflearning.com. We've got one which is all around personal purpose. So how you can think more about what really drives you where you want to go in the future and sort of connect that to your career. So we've got that one. And then we've also got one which is all around progression. So making sure that we think about all the different ways in which we can progress our career particularly good if sometimes that you could just see promotion <laughs> if you're kind of a bit blinkered to promotion we're going to help you think a bit more broadly about all the different ways that you can develop your career and they're 90 minute sessions we hold them over lunchtime they're interactive zoom sessions uh, you can get all the details at amazingiflearning.com and if you want to join a pod plus session about this week's episode that will be on the 1st of october so that is a free session of 30 minutes of live learning with sarah and i and i promise you i'll draw some of these matrixes that we've been talking about or matrices i think they might turn might be so again all the information for that the zoom link is all on amazingiflearning.com so that's it for this week thank you again for listening and we'll catch up with you again soon bye for now bye hold up what was that 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 